Hello listeners and welcome to a Christmas edition of the Montel Weekly Podcast. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Bringing the most topical energy matters in a festive way. My name is Richard Sverson and I'm joined today by a bunch of my colleagues at Montel. Nora Kamprad-Bulli, who's editor Germany. Welcome to you, Nora. Merry Christmas. And uh, Olaf Vilnas, Chief Editor, Nordics. Welcome to you, Olaf. Thank you. And Gert. Happy to have you back on Reporter Nordics. Thank you. And finally, uh, last but not least, Morten Hegner, who's Markets Manager at Montel. Welcome to you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Today, we want to have a roundup of the year that's just gone and to, to look forward. Now, if I can start by just looking at some of the highs and lows. In Germany, Nora, what, what, what would you say were the high points or what were the most important aspects or developments in Germany last year or this year? Well, first brings to mind that we've had a massive drop in the wind power expansion at a time when Germany is counting most on building out its renewables base. At the same time, we've made progress with uh, plans to announce a coal exit, which uh, was announced at the beginning of the year and now has spent uh, or taken the rest of the year mm. to kind of formalise and was still not quite there. Mm. But I think those two have been key developments for, for Germany for this year and going forward. And that's something that will obviously continue yes. to impact next year as well. We'll come back to that later, Nora. But but how about in the, in the Nordic markets, Olaf and Gert? Maybe I can start with you, Olaf. I think one uh, very major impact is, of course, the the huge renewable expansion that you've seen in uh, across the region, and particularly when it comes to wind in Norway and Sweden. And what you've seen in Norway this year is the, the counter effect on that. I mean, you've seen the opposition coming up. Mm. limiting the growth problem potentially in the future mm. with uh, with people sort of being against wind power uh, for environmental reasons and also for uh, for just for the visual reasons and mm. uh, so a slowdown in the norks but, but for different reasons and it's a different background uh, than than in germany how, how about you get high points or the most key elements uh, of this year of course, the wind power debate has kind of been the most important thing, but we also sense that there is some picking up on the demand side. Mm. Uh, the oil industry is seems very keen to connect the platforms to the, the grid to get power from shore, mm. and, and that might change um, the picture quite a bit going a few years ahead mm. with a, they have um, around maybe 2000 megawatts increased power consumption which uh, will turn out to be maybe 17 terawatt hours mm -hmm. a year of increased consumption so how much that's, of that came online this year well that's this is plans uh, a bit going forward the, the the power sector the oil sector used today around um, 12 terawatt hours a year and it okay. might more than double that mm -hmm. and that's an increase of more than 10 percent of the norwegian power consumption yeah, that's, that's so th that might be a, no no yeah. no and, definitely and, and, and what kind of time frame are we talking about uh, maybe five years ahead mm. Mm. So it's it can really pick up in a quite short time here. Mm. What you as, as you you know you're a very close observer of the market. You're not one of the brightest of the stories here, at but what do you think? From what we have experienced from the clients is that uh, they are very concerned about uh, the market development as such uh, mm -hmm. in the Nordics. There was a setback uh, with the happenings in 2018 uh, that we will not cover that much uh, now. But uh, mm. still, the liquidity in the market has uh, not uh, raised again, uh, mm -hmm. and that has. Uh, the players a lot and uh, we have discussed this on uh, several events uh, during the year as well uh, mm -hmm. how to to make this market better having more consumption coming in uh, now in the Nordics uh, potentially that could actually increase uh, the interest for trading the Nordic market mm -hmm. uh, and also how to face all the the faced in renewables uh, mm -hmm. with of course also 
change the market uh, and uh, and may impact uh, how people will uh, will use this market in the time to come. Well, last year in 2018, we, there was the big ANOS uh, mm. incident. But has that still had ramifications this year? Would you say, Morten? Yes, uh, it has. Uh, still, uh, there have been new members at uh, Nasdaq as well. Uh, some has uh, also turned down their business. Mm. But when it comes to the volumes, of course, that is really lacking compared to uh, the good old days uh, when you had the huge players. Absolutely. So um, another key element for me has been the continuing uh, problems at French nuclear reactors which has you know which have been uh, have been driving uh, you know certainly the market in, in cert- at certain points throughout the year so we had the issues with the steam generators and then the earthquakes at Cruas uh, and those Cruas reactors you know they're 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 due back uh, online but they've certainly been offline for several weeks but there are other nuclear plants coming offline aren't there Nora sort of uh, this year Yes, uh, Germany is losing a 1.4 gigawatt uh, nuclear plant, the Philipsborg 2, is due to close at the end of the year. So obviously it's already in a sort of stretch out mode at the moment, Mm. uh, where it's uh, bit by bit reducing capacity, but the market has known about this for a long time, it's priced in. Mm. Uh, More of a wild card is potentially a dispute over remaining running hours. for the uh, nuclear plant Gronde, mm-hmm. uh, a dispute between Vattenfall uh, and and E.ON, uh, which could potentially result in an earlier closure mm-hmm. in so the that's, future. That's a dispute between the companies and also the, the government? I mean, is it is a matter of no, compensation it's more, or...? It's more between the companies. The government has allowed for leftover quota from power plants that are already closed to mm. be transferred uh, to others. Uh, the Gorda plant is uh, co-owned, or no, the, the Krümel plant was co-owned, and it's, mm. it's about the quota left from that, mm. and how they split that between the two companies, and there's an argument how much you should pay for it, okay. in order for it to go to E.ON, which needed to operate other plants for longer. The Nordic reactors are certainly a little bit more stable, robust, than maybe some of their counterparts on the continent, uh, at least if that's, that's what the headlines tell us. But there's another plant coming offline here, isn't there, not in 2019, uh, Olaf? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah. You have the uh, Ringhaus nuclear reactor, reactor in Sweden. You had the, um, the second reactor there, 900 megawatt, that will be shut down at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And then there's another Ringhaus 1 reactor that will be closed at the end of next year. So if you add that to the two Oscars Hund reactors that were shut down a couple of years ago, then you have, in the end, almost a third of Sweden's nuclear fleet that has been shut down in just three or four years. That has, of course, a big impact on the power balance in Sweden. Mm. And you've seen the there are concerns about the security of supply balance in the south of the country. Mm. So if you couple that with perhaps a lack of grid planning and all the wind farms coming up in the north, mm. you have challenges there for the system that is uh, that has been quite uh, significant. And... Uh, there are concerns in neighboring countries that Sweden maybe start uh, curbing exports, for mm-hmm. example, to Denmark, if mm-hmm. they have problems at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And that is an old, there's an old problem there also in, exactly. in the past. Between those good neighbors yeah. uh, there, yeah. the, the, the Swedes and the Danes. But what's replacing that lost capacity? What's meeting the shortfall? Is, there, is, there, is it new wind or is it... Uh... Yeah, yeah, there's a massive expansion of uh, wind in Sweden. Uh, in the combined Norwegian-Swedish Elsot scheme, mm. there has been built 31.2 tower hours since 2012, mm. which is an incredible number. 21 mm. of 21.6 of that is in Sweden. Mm. And there's 
a bit bio, mm. but mainly wind power. And it's mm. mainly located in the two northernmost price areas in Sweden, mm. SA1 and SA2. Mm. So there is a risk of a really low prices in the north of the country and, and bottlenecks in, uh, to the south. And then maybe a much more constrained situation in the, in the south because there are the main consumption and well people living there exactly so, mm, in populated mm, areas absolutely so that's why this discussion with uh, pushing the bottlenecks to the border yeah absolutely, absolutely yeah. so there we have you know increased demand we haven't even talked about data centers yet <laughs> no. so, but uh, increased demand from from the offshore mm. a fallback in supply what what does this say about the market uh, Morten? from what i see and what uh, the uh, players uh, also tell us is that uh, it will change the market, uh, but it also should uh, make new possibilities for them, I think. Again, it's very much depending upon uh, how the weather will develop, uh, so don't forget about that. Uh, we saw this this year, uh, that uh, it has been very nice trends uh, to follow based upon uh, reliable weather forecasts, and we've seen uh, up and down trends uh, following the price signals, uh, mm. uh, which is mostly related to weather. Mm. I mean, what are the seasonal forecasts saying for, for the Q1 or the, the months ahead? Has anyone been following that? Olaf, have you been... Uh, I haven't followed that with the seasonal forecast, but if you look at the monthly forecast, there's a fresh monthly forecast uh, which show that it will be very mild next week, but then you will, it will probably turn colder, it will turn drier from mm. the middle of December, mm. and you can look at these uh, measures you have from the analysts of the hydrological balance in the Nordic region shows a deficit. So mm. we have less, power in, uh, less hydropower in storage than mm. in a normal year, Mm. which is bullish for prices, mm. but it's not a big deficit. So I think there's still quite normal prices that they expect. Mm. And the price, the Q1 price in the Nordic region is still priced below continental levels. Mm. There is like a three euros difference there to up to, to uh, below Germany. So what, what about on the continent, Nora? With the latest forecast, it, it has turned out a little bit cooler mm. for December than uh, previous forecasts have indicated. That has led to slightly higher assumptions. Mostly for December, though, the, the Q1 is still too uncertain with Germany, mostly being driven also by wind. Mm. Uh, temperatures don't tend to impact as much mm. on power prices as wind does. But mm. oftentimes in the winter, mild weather goes hand in hand with a, uh, with a lot of wind and vice versa. Mm. So it could be have a, that kind of impact. We could be seeing that again. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be a beast from the east, but then you never know. You know, yeah. if you come come January, it's probably come come around the E World time, which is the time <laughs> of a big trade. that's normally when these things happen. But but Nora, um, what other you know for those listeners out there who want to maybe think about the key events next year? I mean, you discussed the coal exit. Sure, will we see coal plants coming off the grid? And even, you know, the, a shortfall in, in supply in Germany. Could that happen? And what are the other uh, key drivers for, for next year, do you think? It's a good question whether we're going to see any plants coming offline. The coal exit law isn't done and dusted yet. We only have seen drafts that are still up for discussion. The sort of hardest evidence of potential closures we have at the moment is uh, tenders for four gigawatts of closure that will be roughly next summer mm. are supposed to be held. However, there are concerns in the market that there is not enough incentive for anyone to bid into these. Mm. And there is no fallback in the current draft. What happens if you know, the auction isn't filled? Mm. So then nothing gets shut down. Okay. So, so it's there's that option. So there is the option that actually this big song and dance about a coal exit, uh, we could be waiting years and years, if not, you know. Uh... Until 26 at least. From mm. 27, they're changing the model, then you don't bid for your plant to go out of the market, mm. they are planning to shut down units based on age. Mm. 
Mm. But that is still several years to go. Absolutely. And I think the crucial element or the crucial question that a lot of carbon market participants mm. want answered is what happens to their UAs? I mean, that's still that's still up in the air, isn't yeah. it? Nora? Nobody I mean, knows. Know. Nobody knows. It, yeah. It's not fully mentioned in the, in the draft we have seen. So far, it does not say they will mm. be cancelled. And there is a big... I guess, resistance from the finance ministry in Germany to forego the income mm. that uh, auctioning off your allowances generates. But of course, everyone's arguing that if you do not cancel them, then what is the point of any closures? You will just shift the coal production to Eastern country, Eastern European countries. Mm. It makes climatically absolutely no sense. Yeah. And we so keep hearing that. And of course, it will create a huge uh, oversupply. Yeah, it's that, there's that constant balance between the climate and energy mm-hmm. minister who want to be seen to doing right for, for the environment, but then you've got the finance ministry who want to pulling the purse strings. You know, how about in the Nordic region, Olaf? What are, what are the key issues here for, for next year? Markets in general, I think there is this, of course, the um, the way they adapt to climate targets will be important. Mm. I mean, if you look at last year, you had two new governments coming up. In like in Denmark, you had a new very ambitious target for climate reduction, seventy percent cut by 2030. Mm-hmm. So that will mean a lot for the even for even more wind power mm. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe more use of interconnectors to other countries. Mm. Finland had a very high ambitious carbon neutrality target by mm. 2035, mm-hmm. which will speed up their way away from coal, away from fossil fuels and, into, and more wind. Mm. They're building a lot of wind power in Finland without subsidies now. Seems a very um, common thread, this wind, wind, yeah, wind. It's yeah, win-win. it's a win-win situation. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. <laughs> Uh, and, and of course, the, the Finns also have a higher uh, local spot price. Mm. So in that sense, makes it more profitable in mm. Finland, uh, even though the wind conditions may not, may not be as good as in Norway. They have lower prices on average, higher mm. prices on average, mm. uh, which is, uh, is helpful. So that's that's one aspect that will be important this year. Absolutely. Any other notable uh, <coughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's uh, is it one year from now, but in the end of 2020, the new link between Norway and Germany Okay. The, Nor- the Nordic interconnector 1.4 gig yeah. will start uh, test runs mm. and then you have the first direct link from the Norwegian power market to Germany mm. and that might and very hard to say how how the flow would go there's grid constraints in Germany mm. uh, what will happen if the prices in Norway are lower than in Germany mm. and the flow should go south but mm. will you be able to export the power mm. We have been asking Startnet, the Norwegian TSO, this over and over, and we never, to put it mildly, we don't get a clear answer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe they don't have a clear answer. No. Well, I would hope they would, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think they're a bit nervous and excited as well, just, mm. just to see how it will be. Because the, the, the sort of idea has often been that you have uh, the Nordic region as the battery mm. for continental Europe, but uh, that may not necessarily be true then, if I understand you. It could be German wind being exported to, to, to Norway. Definitely, in a large mm. scale. But it's so hard to predict and so hard to model, I think. For, mm. So we, we speak to analysts and they don't dare to come with a clear answer. So <laughs> it will, it, And one example is maybe the Cobra link between the Netherlands and Denmark that was um, started up in September this year mm. and it uh, all the not all but many analysts pointed to this as a clear export cable from the Nordic region to the, uh, the Netherlands mm. but then due to the low gas prices power in the Netherlands have been cheaper than in the Nordic regions and there has been a lot of imports on that cable mm. so quite the opposite 
it all depends on the fundamentals, of course, and the weather, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, so it's it'll be interesting to see how how that develops. I know that Norwegian industry has always been very opposed to to new cables and interconnectors because they fear the higher prices. But maybe they they might start welcoming them with open arms. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely, yeah. Especially if you combine it with um, the build out of more wind power. So how about from a from a market perspective? Uh, you know, what what are you hearing from people out there, Morten? What what are the key areas that will be important uh, in 2020? I think it's very important for people to take part in the market because uh, the market has been criticized for not having uh, enough uh, traders, uh, hedgers, uh, mm. not uh, trading the short or the medium term products and not uh, hedge in the, in, the, in the way that they did. Mm. And what I'm looking forward to for next year would be maybe to to have an increased liquidity in the in the nearest uh, products. Mm. These actors are very important. They're important part of the market, and you know, hope, hope to to see see them coming back in. What about in Germany related to the coal exit? Are we, you know, there are also these big, huge lignite plants. Yeah. What's happening here? They they may be announcing some closures or not. What's the story? Yeah, so far they, uh, the lignite closures have been excluded from the draft. Uh, those four gigs I mentioned earlier were only for hard coal. Mm. And the problem there is that there's basically two huge producers, RWE and LEAC, oh. and so you cannot have tenders. So you need to negotiate on a sort of bilateral basis. Mm. And what we have heard so far is there is no agreement because some or one producer is demanding fantasy prices, we have heard, for closing. <laughs> okay. Apparently... RWE is more willing or has a better idea of what prices they might live with for mm. closing some of their capacity. Now, if there is agreement and fairly quickly, mm. uh, we may see closures from RWE potentially as early as next year, but we don't know any details or mm. how much capacity that will be. Though, of course, I mean, there, there are plans to sort of cut lignite fire output by 3.1 gigawatt. Mm. Uh, already by the end of 2022. Mm. So those have to come most likely from the Rhineland, which is Ottawa's heartland. Okay, so there could be more developments there in the months ahead. I mean, I, I think from my perspective, really, uh, as well, looking at France, I think that's going to be a, a key driver yes. of prices. And I think... You know, we'll get some more more details about the crew-ass elements. We'll get some more into the steam generator issues at some of the reactors. But I think we'll also see the start of the fourth 10-year inspections of a whole fleet of, of French nuclear plants, which, which according to our calculations so far this year, the third 10-year extensions, all the ones that had 10-year inspections this year, were but delayed by up to 400 days. So I think, I think you know, I think we'll, we'll be keeping... <laughs> so um, this is... Is something that we'll be looking, looking or keeping a very close eye on, especially the French team. But on a more of a policy side, there's the new commission coming in, all of If they announce a more ambitious climate policy, that could have a clear, clear impact on prices, certainly, and on, on the market structure. Yeah, you had uh, your new European Commission approved by the, uh, by the Parliament. And a new commissioner uh, from, from Germany, von der Leyen, she says that she wants to increase the, the CO2 emission cut targets. She wants to even in- introduce a, a carbon border tax, which can be crucial, by sort of uh, putting a CO2 price on imported goods mm. and even electricity imports. Mm. And you saw this, uh, this week that the European Parliament, they, um, they said they wanted a 55% reduction target by 2030, up uh, mm. from 40% currently. Mm putting pressure on the new commission to deliver mm. and even declare a carbon crisis as they call it yeah absolutely sort of yeah. the commission then have to align all their policies with this 1.5 degree target mm. from paris accord mm. so all these things will push them in the right direction mm. but we already see the ngos coming out and say the, 
these new commission plans aren't ambitious enough. Yeah, exactly. So there will be, there will be pressure to be even more ambitious, yeah. clearly. And I think yeah. it's coming not just from the parliament yeah. or the companies or mm-hmm. the NGOs, but also from the population at large on the grassroots level, you know, the Greta Thunberg, the Extinction Rebellion. I think, you know, I think these would they will start have a bit of a snowball effect here. Mm. If we stay with 2020, Morton, if you had a magic wand uh, and I could grant you a wish, what would your wish be for 2020, Morton? Uh, that was a tricky question, Richard. <laughs> um, my wish would be that players are supporting the market uh, and. Uh, really comes into uh, back into where they were some years ago maybe uh, with sharing or increasing the liquidity and also you meant transparency also uh, which could uh, absolutely improve in certain markets and uh, that is something we will of course support and uh, we are doing that uh, by by you of course mm-hmm. uh, the news desk uh, and also by uh, addressing all these different topics on the conference that we'll make in 2020. Mm-hmm. How about you, Gav? For granted, you one magic wish, uh, one wish for the market. What, what would you, what would you want? Uh, oh, I haven't prepared. Keep it that clean. Keep yeah, it yeah. clean, Gav. <laughs> <laughs> for me personally, I, I think you know, I, I would like to see more transparency around French nuclear plants. I think often uh, the information is lacking. It's very scant. It comes late. It's it's got holes in it. We don't really know what's going on. I think if I had a magic touch for the you know the CEO of EDF or ASN, I'd say please grant us more information about this because it's. I think it'd calm the market down. It would give that provided with that kind of robust feeling that we 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 know what's going on. Um, yeah, and I would say get the grid building going. Mm. It, it's crucial to, to utilize the, all the wind and solar power that is being built. Mm. You need to shift the power around to get an efficient market and there's so much lagging. And snail's pace. Yeah, and both regular side and governments and TSOs, it's, it's too slow. They mm. have to speed up. That would be good for the market, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How about you, Olaf? Yeah. What would you, you wish from the market? You mentioned transparency, I think, is, is also crucial to, to, to get the information and get it easy accessible. Mm-hmm. Maybe on a European platform that is easy to use, mm-hmm. that can give people information about the available outages and so on. Mm-hmm. That would be great. And from a journalistic perspective, it would also be good to have executives speaking their mind, yeah. giving exactly. us good stories in 2020. Yeah. That would exactly, be yeah. So, so yeah. The, the key quotes, the killer yeah. quotes, yeah. I think that would be very useful. How about you, Nora? I don't know if nobody moved in will ever speak to me again, but I would just like more gutsy German politicians. I mm-hmm. think they really just need to follow through on what they started. They they come with very big ambitions every time and then mm. it gets rolled back. It gets rolled back step by step and you end up with a construction that is neither meat or fish or whatever mm. they say mm. sometimes. And it just, that means every three years we revisit the same points over and over and over again. We have not come any further than we were three or four years ago. Mm. And I think it's really just time for a bigger push. And I think this is what uh, what Gert was yes. mentioning here is also about the grid. I think that's certainly yep. been in Germany. What was the plan? Nearly 2,000 kilometers <laughs> and they built, what, uh, 26 last year or something? Or this year, I mean? No, I think that was per quarter. But okay, the quarter. problem is once you've got everything ruled up and, 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 and ready to go, you can build quite quickly. But we always see opposition and they're trying to find new ways of sort of stymieing that opposition, like if we give more more leeway, if we allow wider sort of distances mm. to, to housing or that you don't see, you know, the cables that, that are being built, then this will reduce opposition. You just open up a new can of worms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't please everybody. And someone just has to be bold enough um, to say that. And who knows, the current uh, Grand Coalition isn't doing particularly well if mm. it all goes, uh, you know, belly up, uh, we may have another election and the Greens are looking fairly strong. Maybe they can bring the push needed, but you never know. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you, there's a cl clear call for politicians to, to stand by their convictions yes. there and go for it. Be bold, be courageous. Um, if they have any. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, to sort of round off here, Morton, I'd like to sort of finish with you, because obviously 2020 is going to be a very busy year for Montel, and we have a very uh, big calendar for, for events. Could, yes. you, could you say a few words about that, Morton? Absolutely, Richard. All the topics that we have uh, talked about now here in, in this pod uh, will also be uh, covered in the different events that we will make in 2020 mm. uh, all over Europe uh, starting in uh, in Denmark and in Oslo and uh, we will also have an IPAL event uh, in, in, in Austria where we will cover issues related to, to what's going on in uh, the Swiss and Austrian region. Mm. That is important. Uh, further on we will talk about the nuclear situation in, in France uh, mm. on our French Energy Day in April mm. and uh, moving along to Germany and to Stockholm and to Finland as well uh, mm. where we have regional conferences covering all European matters. We have 20 events uh, throughout the next year which mm. will be of key interest for so many people, I think. Covering all the key topical issues that I think will continue to drive not just markets but also policy and, and hopefully will cover the most important factors anyway. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, uh, and then, uh, as Ola said, having uh, top uh, management uh, to the podium uh, and uh, with uh, interviews from, from you guys, mm. we uh, will surely uh, lift topics uh, which are uh, relevant for all our listeners uh, in the time to come. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll have some brave politicians as well coming, no, not afraid to speak their mind. Um, excellent, guys. Thank you all very much for, for joining this, this end of year Christmas special. It's just enough for me to say, ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. That's all for now. Remember to keep up to date on all the latest news on Montel Online, and you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can subscribe to the Montel Weekly Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Happy Christmas!